Greetings, Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number 145, despite everything, we're still alive, and I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin, joined by Game Cola staff member of the year, person who has played the game Cyberpunk, and someone who got eye surgery to yesterday. <laughs> really? Everyone, please introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the viewers at home guess... Which one of us is which? <laughs> <laughs> I think as they listen to the podcast, they'll be able to use the process of elimination. Don't out yourself. <laughs> Hi, my name is Anna Bernarski, and I'm currently playing a video game during the Game Cola podcast. Uh, hi, my name is Diana Gray, GameCola.net's resident fangirl, and I'm also starting up a video game to play during the podcast. Hello, I'm James Belster. I am not playing a video game, but I am eventually going to get back to being uh, GameCola's YouTube administrator. And it is once again time for a podcast. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, usual. <laughs> <laughs> My usual. That's about right, honestly. Yeah. But you're not excited about all the video games that are coming out soon, like, and, <laughs> uh, this segues actually kind of quickly into a question we got from, uh, Brandcliff on the Game Cola Discord, asking, when are the actual next-gen games gonna come out? Which, the answer still seems to be, sometime next year, maybe? The only one I could really find a definite date for was the new Hitman game. I don't know. Do you guys have anything that you're looking forward to next year? Uh, what are video? Oh, what gosh. are video game? I'm I'm trying to remember some of the the things they showed off in the PS5 uh, trailers. One of them, oh, I forget what. Uh, I can't remember the name, but it was about uh, being an assassin, being hunted by another assassin, also in a time loop. Oh yeah, Death Loop. I think yes, is what it's Death called. Loop. That's the one. So that one. The premise. I remember very seeing the trailer for that. Yeah did did they show any gameplay? Have they shown any gameplay of it yet? Though? I think they did. That was like like it okay. was just kind of well a loop. Um, it's definitely an interesting premise. I don't know how it's going to, tr- and I don't mean this in like a I don't think they can do it. I just don't know how that will translate into a video game necessarily. Yeah. Also, um, side note. I, I was very mistaken and very confused uh, about a month ago when Bug Snacks came out and I saw people playing it on PS4 and I was like, wait, wasn't that one of the PS5 exclusives that was supposed to be coming out? Like, because they, they showed it off in the big like trailer of games coming to PS5. And so my natural assumption was, oh, all these games that are being shown off are like, enhanced for ps5 or like their ps5 exclusives at least for some period of time and then note bug snacks just came out and it was just everywhere so i've heard good things about bugs I, I have too i haven't played it but i uh i've heard a lot of good things i've heard it's a needle game but it's it's made by the octodad uh developers isn't it no yeah i think you're right so because it, it it's very like looks... viva pinata but people actually played it <laughs> Uh, I've not played Viva Piñata. I've heard neither. good things, but also I don't think it was super popular. It had a it had very popular advertisements and a TV show. Um, Did it Anna really Diana, have a TV show? What? Yeah, it definitely had a TV show. I don't know anything else about it except that fact. Anna Diana, did you have any video games that you're looking forward to I next don't know year? What's coming out? I honest to God have no idea. Uh, I do have one. 
actually. It's not next gen, I don't think, but uh, Baldur's Gate 3 has been in early access since September or October, I forget, and it's the full game is supposed to be coming out like within a like in a year from early access, I think, uh, which would place it in next year at some point. Uh, so that is what I'm looking forward to personally. And by looking forward to, you mean you've already been playing it on stream yes. on your Twitch channel? I, I we are <laughs> on our second playthrough um, of it. Wow. Well, because it's it's only the first act of the game. Uh, so I think we got through wow. our first playthrough trying to be super completionists in about 50 hours-ish, uh, give or take. And uh, now we're going again uh, because we've decided to both be rangers because ranger is the worst class in D&D. You heard it here. Uh, I will say it. <laughs> but in Baldur's wow. Gate, they uh, apparently Larian contacted Wizards of the Coast and was like, ranger sucks. Can we make it better? And they were like, yeah, go for it. So now Ranger's actually, like, really good and OP. So we're both doing a run as Rangers. Uh, we're both going to be two different subclasses of Rangers on the stream run that we're doing right now. But we did keep our, we kept our first run private and we would play it for, like, eight hours at a time. <laughs> nice. It's it's amazing. And if anyone is a D&D nerd or just likes really beautiful games... I would highly recommend Baldur's Gate. It is pretty buggy right now because it's early access still, but most of them are funny, so it's okay. We've had several where bodies just go flying all over the place, and it's awesome. Oh, ragdoll physics are the best. It's it's great, and we are both just huge D&D nerds, so it's just everything we wanted in, in a D&D-themed video game. Uh, we love it a lot. So I would uh, highly recommend it, and we're super excited for the rest of the game to come out because the first act was already so good, and there's still a lot to uncover. So yeah, it's been it's been great. That's my that's that's my Baldur's Gate three plug. Play it. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm done. Oh, no. Speaking of buggy games that people are excited for the rest of it to come out. Segway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reveal one of the three How dare you. things and say, James, you've been playing the video game, or you have played, I should say, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, yes. which is all of the buzz right now. I think you as mean a video all game. of the bugs right now. Yeah, yeah, that too. Well, that's what made the buzz, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, the game <laughs> the made, the buzz, made the then buzz, then there were bugs, and they made more buzz. Mm -hmm. Um. So just if you haven't, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. So just a quick summary. Um. Everyone wanted to play this video game, Cyberpunk 2077. It was made by the same people who made The Witcher, and that was giving a backing a lot of the hype. Um. Also, there were earlier Cyberpunk games, and also like a tabletop that was yes. sort of cult. It was very popular in the realm of tabletop at that point before everybody had an actual play podcast and everything like that. Yep. <gasps> And then it got delayed, and then it got delayed, and then there was crunch, and people got worried and upset, and then the game finally came out, and it made national news for being kind of a disaster in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. And James is here to tell us how everyone is wrong, and it's actually a great video game. I... Right, James? That's your opinion? Are you? Uh... Yeah. 
I think the game is awesome. I really enjoy the game when it's not breaking. I can tell that a lot of love and a lot of time and a lot of effort have been put into this game. And I have to applaud the devs for doing all this work. And I sympathize with them for having to deal with all this crazy crunch and all these crazy hype and expectations. That said, the launch was a disaster. Management made lots of very poor decisions. Uh, their investors have made some very poor decisions and have now tried to shirk their responsibilities, in my opinion, by filing a class action lawsuit against the developers, uh, claiming that. that they have been misled and misrepresented as to what the game was going to be like. Uh, to which I say, BS. If anyone is going to know exactly what the game is about and is going to be informed in a publicly traded game company, it's going to be the investors, even more so than gamers and reviewers. So I, I don't know the full story, but without any significant evidence to the contrary, I would like to say shame on you, investors, to CD Projekt Red. They've made some really dumb decisions, but you don't need to pile on top and make more bad decisions. Anyway, that's a little bit of a rant. And again, I don't know the entire full story of exactly what's going on. I'm sure there is a whole lot of hell being raised over there. But I think there's, there's a lot to unpack with this launch. Mm -hmm. And that is right. that a lot of people are upset, understandably so, especially people who are playing on console. But... Yeah, thing... just in case you're unaware, listening audience, the console launches are, the PC stuff has some bugs. The console launch looks not great and is even more buggy, and people with consoles don't necessarily have easy access to the internet to download the big day one patch that doesn't really fix everything but it fixes a lot of things and that's part of why the launch in particular was a mess things might smooth out over time but like console the people who are playing on consoles i think it's fair to say they got the are getting a very different experience than people playing on pc at yeah. least from launch didn't, uh oh sorry go ahead well i was just gonna ask didn't playstation do something about that yeah, playstation yeah, PlayStation mm -hmm. actually uh, has offered full refunds for anybody who owns the game on PS4 and has uh, pulled the game entirely uh, from the PSN, at least for purchase. You can still update mm -hmm. your game if you own it and haven't refunded it, and you can still play it and do all of that. They've just pulled it uh, for purchase from the PlayStation Network entirely. Now, it's my understanding that the game plays okay on PS5, which is to be expected that's roughly on yeah. par with uh, a mid to high end gaming pc nowadays and i personally I also want to interject well, real quick that yeah. uh the status of cyberpunk on the playstation store or on any other digital storefront may change by the time you actually listen to this podcast because yes, i don't think true. it's going to be a permanent no i don't think it's going to be permanently delisted it's going to be delisted until it is in what is considered an acceptable state yeah and that may very well be by the time this podcast goes out yeah uh, and I should clarify, I 
uh, own the game on PC, and I have a relatively powerful PC that can run the game at uh, a reasonable performance. So there's there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of anger and hate being thrown around, and I think a decent bit of it, you know, the internet being the internet, not everybody is aware of the whole situation. And first and foremost, please don't blame the developers, as in the people actually working on making the game for this. This is not their fault. They are just as much the victims of this whole thing as we, the consumer, are. Because they've had to deal with crunch, they've had to deal with constant pushbacks, and and uh, it, it came out after the fact that the developers actually, their bonuses are based on review scores, typically. Now, that's not... That is not just a CD Projekt Red thing. That's not just a cyberpunk thing. That's just how it works in the industry. If you don't like the way that that works, it's not just the cyberpunk uh, management that you should be upset at here. And that's a whole nother topic that I can get into here. But getting back on topic, a lot of these poor decisions came from upper management and from the investors pushing for this game to be released because they were tired of having it be delayed so often, which, again, the, you know, poor time management, a lot of different factors go into that. I don't want to say that all of this constant uh, crunch and stuff was due to malice or just the management not caring about their employees, but it's still not good. And mm -hmm. this, the whole thing really really should have been handled better on so many fronts and i feel i'm very disappointed with the state of everything when this all happened but but again uh, as i alluded to earlier crunch and bad management and the difficulty of allocating time for development is not a problem that is exclusive to cd project red or to cyberpunk it has been a problem in the industry for decades now you mm -hmm. know mo it has probably gotten worse as the gaming industry has gotten bigger and the scope of games have gotten bigger and development teams have grown and uh, the the time requirements to make all of these massively open worlds and detailed assets uh grows but mm -hmm. th this has been a problem for a long time and i think that if something good can come out of this disaster, it's that people start wising up to the fact that this is what the game industry does sometimes. And if and we, we don't like it. It's good to make your voices heard, but make sure that your voices are directed towards the right people. It's not just one company that makes these decisions. It's a whole bunch. And I think that that is something it's important to recognize. Now... Getting back to cyberpunk. Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that the most interesting thing to me, because like you're saying, like it's this is we're all thinking about cyberpunk because it's the next big thing. But like this happens fairly regularly now, it feels like. I mean, how many different comparisons I've seen comparisons to Fallout 76. I've seen comparisons to No Man's Sky. Um, like you're right in that um, this is not unique to this game. And I think it's interesting to see like how different communities and how different expectations sort of react to the final product. Because I think you're right that in a lot of cases, people are willing to ignore the bad stuff when 
they still get a good video game out of it. Yeah. I'm I'm reminded of a podcast that we recorded about Red Dead Redemption 2 where we talked about all the crunch that happened in that. And then it kind of all dropped as soon as the game came out because everybody had their good video game. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you're right that it's as a consumer base, to whatever extent we can, I think it is important to think about this and challenge these sorts of things even when we get a good video game and not just as a thing to say when we didn't get the video game that we wanted, which is, it's fair to be upset about not getting the video game that you wanted, Yeah, but there are separate issues. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not disagree. I'm not saying anything that you didn't really say mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, but so you have played the video game, cyberpunk 2077, everything else aside, push out everything that we just talked about. All of that. It's just a video game that you're playing right now. What did you, what did you think? Well, as far as you've played, I have played up to like kind of parts of the prologue, so I'm really not that far into it. So, but I've been really liking it so far. The voice acting is great. The graphics, uh, as like again, I'm playing on PC, mind you. Uh, this will probably be a very different story to people playing on PS4 or my seven year old laptop, <laughs> but. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I have not... I I haven't played a lot of modern games. I tend to stick with a little bit older stuff just because I have a huge backlog to, to work through. But good grief, this game is beautiful. During the daytime, during the nighttime, if there's one thing they absolutely got right, it is the aesthetic of this game. It is... <laughs> I, I would argue it is it is literally any, like any vision of cyberpunk you have in your head, or, or at least I have in my head, this surpasses it in every way. The city is gorgeous. There's so many people walking around. It it's it's a little bit grungy, just kind of down to earth. It's a little bit seedy. It's just ah, uh, it 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 checks all my boxes for for cyberpunk. It does. And so, by that you mean cyberpunk the genre. Yeah, cyberpunk the, the genre, series. the aesthetic, if you will. Right. They okay. they nailed it. Now what about video game play? Um the gameplay is I I always have a bit of trouble adjusting to big complex RPGs like this just because there's so many interconnected systems. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a fault of the game. I think it's more uh, how I tend to play things. You know, the the kinds of RPGs I typically play are more along the lines of JRPGs. So kind of all following a very similar base structure with maybe a couple minor deviations or extra mechanics sprinkled in. Whereas this, there's an entire, like, there's a whole... Uh, a whole bunch of systems on top of systems like quick hack and a bunch of other stuff there's uh brain dances there's all sorts of crazy stuff that i've i've checked out brain dances yes uh you can't just say those two words next to each other and then move on like oh yeah that's just a thing you can say out loud so um (laughs) well it's very hard to explain, but I'm also bad at explaining things. But brain dances are basically... I would actually almost say they're more like an investigation mechanic in, like, a detective game, which is really unusual. I was not expecting it. Um, mm. 
without getting too uh, spoilery, um, basically you're watching a sort of VR playback uh, of a scene that's recorded from a bunch of sensors that can read the sights and sounds and smells and everything around someone. Basically, everything that they perceive is recorded into digital form, and you're watching a playback, and you can basically step out of the shoes of the person who was recording and free cam around the scene with limited range based mainly on mm -hmm. what they can sense uh, and investigate different aspects of a room. So, for instance, you might be tasked with locating the air vents in a building you're trying to perform a heist in. I uh, see. And so, basically, you use the perspective of the person who's who was looking. Basically, you start out looking through the eyes of a person and you can then kind of pop out of their head and look around a little bit, but you can only really get a fine detail grasp of stuff that they themselves can see from their perspective. Mm -hmm. You can't do any of the, how did you remember the parts where you weren't there? Yeah, exactly. Sort of exactly. But that said, um, because, because it records their raw senses, even if they didn't really hear something very well, it, you can perhaps, you know, move over and look, oh, hey, there's somebody talking in another room. Let's focus on that sound. Kind of zoom and enhance, if you will, mm -hmm. on certain aspects of a scene that perhaps the person who was there at the time didn't notice or didn't recall. Uh, I see. it's, it's really interesting. It, it, like I said, it feels right at home in an investigation, like a murder mystery sort of game almost. And mm -hmm. although I have, I've only seen it used once thus far, I really hope that they take advantage of it more because it really seems like a very interesting and unique, uh, gameplay mechanic. Now, James, I'm going to redirect you just because I know that I could definitely direct you into making this cyber podcast 2077 <laughs> if I <laughs> if I so desire. But we'll save that until you actually finish the video game Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah. But I think we all want to know what is the, the glitch? What is your favorite glitch that you've experienced? Oh, my favorite? Well, I've had a couple thus far. Most of them have been hilarious. A couple of them have been inconvenient. Mainly, I've had issues with my gps in my car uh apparently even in the year 2077 we still can't get gps's to work right of course not. Uh, it keeps <laughs> it keeps telling me to drive across a uh a pit which uh is impassable <laughs> there's an invisible wall even if you wanted to there's nothing you can do to get across it um but my favorite glitch was probably um reloading from a checkpoint uh, and seeing people who were supposed to be sitting in a car and driving away uh, all standing out and poking their heads out as if there was some kind of a sunroof, uh, which initially <laughs> I showed the picture to all of my friends, and they said, oh, well, maybe the car just does have a sunroof. And I said, this is an armored <laughs> police vehicle. That's a pretty big structural <laughs> flaw for an armored vehicle to have a sunroof. <laughs> so... Uh, it was pretty, it was pretty glorious because I just reloaded a checkpoint and then there's just people, their, their top halves sticking out of this armored vehicle just driving <laughs> off in the distance. Uh, I actually have the screenshot somewhere. I can go ahead and post it real oh, quick. Yeah, I might as well make that the podcast thumbnail. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, this sort of segues again, James, I will make sure to give you ample time to talk about 
Cyberpunk 2077 as much as you want in the future, but we must continue forward. So this sort of segues into another uh, Discord fan question um, that uh, Blue Rider had talking about sort of the future of uh, open world games, because that seems to be the... uh, the sort of concept du jour of the game of the AAA gaming industry these days, you know, one point it was shooters, uh, and there've been others in between it. You had like uh, MOBAs. Everybody tried to make a MOBA for a while. Then you got everybody tried to do the Fortnite battle royale stuff. Um, but sort of, and those were sort of smaller ones. But I feel like a big shift right now to is the sort of idea of making an open world video game um and like where is that going to go in the future because it still feels like we're kind of in the middle of it It doesn't feel like we're necessarily done with it yet as a concept uh i wanted to get your guys's thoughts on that because well i guess here here's a what is the most recent open world video game that you played spider-man well Ooh, that's a good one. I I mean, I don't know if I would say I even really played Cyberpunk, because again, I, I'm still very early on. So I would say before uh, Cyberpunk, the last big open world game I played was Watch Dogs 2. Uh, Sims? <laughs> I don't Sims? think that's I don't know. exactly I think, I think that counts. Really counts. Either. That's why I was very hesitant. Um, <laughs> I think that I counts. Think Breath of the Wild might be the... Yeah, yeah. Breath of latest one that i've played mm-hmm. i think probably breath of the wild for me too just because i haven't had a beefy enough system to play anything fancier than that i did dabble a little bit in uh what's it called uh horizon zero dawn oh especially like thinking about it in comparison to breath of the wild since those games came out um but like one of the things that blue rider mentioned was like the the current sort of standard of there is these big towers that you have to go to. Right. And then you you get things for going to the big tower things that open up your map. Um, and that's sort of like where we are right now. But like, it feels very gamey, right? Having to find a tower to unlock your map. But it solves a fundamental problem, which is the where do I go? That has sort of turned me off before playing Breath of the Wild, which is where I really first experienced tower theory tower tower theory tower game design um was like i don't like not know not not necessarily i don't need to know like what the best thing to be doing right at the moment is but i really hate having to just completely invent something to do does that make sense yeah yeah i like to be able to be like well if i can't come up with anything here's this to fall back on right when you play Minecraft, which is probably, like, as open, it's very open, but even then they Oh, added... I lied. That's the latest open world game that I've played. <laughs> you can go, you can think, okay, well, what do I need to do to get to the nether? What do I need to do to get to the end? What do I need to do to get to this boss? The, the, like, the elements are there, and I would say that Minecraft, for as, you know, prolific as a game it is, it kind of ha- only has those three things, <laughs> and maybe, like, getting certain items... Um, and it's not super clear make very all the good time. Castle. Yes. Yeah, you could you could make a very good castle. Thank I you. think um, Spider-Man handles that kind of interestingly, if I am understanding 
what you're what you're putting down here, which I think <laughs> I do. Um, in that, like one of the first objectives that they give you in Spider Man is to go and find the towers because, hooray for towers. I don't think all of them are skip travel points because the whole point of Spider-Man is that you're Spider-Man and you get to swing around the city. And obviously you want to do that. You don't want to skip travel because where's the fun in that? And I think Spider-Man does a good job of keeping you on track by just like throwing crime basically right under your feet and then going Mm. like, you know, you have your main story objective over here on the other side of the map and you could head toward that and you could do all this crime on the way but the game also gives you the chance of all right we're waiting for the next story objective to happen for you know like just a couple minutes and it's like well we might as well go out and do some spider manning and you know save some citizens or whatever i didn't play my boyfriend played i watched him because i (laughs) i admittedly tried to play the first mission of spider-man and it was a travesty um, I'm really bad at those types of games, and I get stressed out. So I handed him the controller, and he played the rest of the game. But it was really fun to watch, because he's also a completionist, so we did everything that we could, and we spent hours with it exploring. They also do a fun job of hiding a bunch of Marvel Easter eggs in it, and we're kind of nerds for that kind of thing. So we spent a lot of time just exploring that open world that they give you. And it was fun. Or I hope I can get the Miles Morales one eventually. But that's kind of my response to to what you're throwing down. I think. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's in like it seems like with Spider Man in particular, it's a lot more about the stuff on the way. And you also have like more direct story missions, right? Yeah. I think I I, I think there is like I think people are also sort of coming back, falling back in love with that, if to put it in a weird way, um, in the sense that. I think there are certain times where we can appreciate, hey, it's kind of nice to have a directed story with, like, particular thematic elements that were crafted in a certain way. To my understanding, there's not a whole lot you can do to change the what of what happens in Spider-Man. It's more about the when, like, how quickly do you want to progress through the story? Yeah, basically. I would. I think that's that's probably accurate. And then, like, how much of the city you want to to clear out because they had to have like some side missions mm-hmm. you can fight all like a bunch of different baddies i think only one of right. them is technically optional and then the towers themselves only serve to like fill in parts of your map a la breath of the wild but mm-hmm. not all of them are are skip travelable i think the only skip travel points are police stations but don't quote me on that because i'm not sure we basically never skip traveled because swinging around is so much fun in that game <laughs> We had fun with it, imagine. anyways. Oh, I, I, that, I've just, I've only seen gameplay, but that looks like so much fun. But uh, it feels like in a lot of cases, even in games with a lot of narrative in it, there is this idea of expanding the open world section so much that there is no, I don't want to say no clear direction, because like that implies that there is a correct direction and you're not being shown it, but like, there is, you just need to do stuff, you play the video game, and playing the video game is an important part. Like, I'm thinking of The Last of Us 2 from what I have seen of it, mm. and that is a very cinematic video game. But the open world stuff is like, to my understanding, is like really open. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know either. 
But then, like, with Cyberpunk, like, the things that people said were thinking about, like, different story arcs and different paths. And I've heard a lot of mixed feelings about how well Cyberpunk differentiates the different story paths you can take. Um, but, like, I feel like that is where the games are trying to go in terms of improving. Because, like, the the side that we've been talking about with, like, your Spider-Mans and your Last of Us 2s, which is a weird thing to say out loud, Last of Us 2s. Yeah. <laughs> um, Last of Us this is, um <laughs> Sure. Is a very, like, where the tech and the development time and the innovation is going is in the narrative elements in terms of making things look seamless, animations, like, visual presentation, and then with games like what people expected Cyberpunk to be, whether or not it achieved this, it's less about, even though the game looks very nice, it's less about the cinematic moment-to-moment stuff, and it's more about the fact that the story develops around your choices, and that makes the world feel real because you are influencing the state of the world more than just a percentage bar that says there is less crime now. Does that make sense? Like, I feel yeah. like those are the two yeah. sides of open world games right I, now. The two main sides of that. Uh, the One of the things that, uh, if I can jump back to Breath of the Wild for a bit, one of the mm-hmm. things I really like about that game and how it handles open world is that it still has the whole, oh, you got to make it to the towers, you know, to, to fill in your map. But one of the advantages to sort of having the shrines be both optional and not optional, you know, depending on how you want to play, is that rather than, you know, just having these side quests all pop up on you as you're playing, you know, and you would just show up and say, hey, there's a side quest here. It's more of a case of you make your own side quests, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. um, Like, you know, you're walking along heading for a tower and then you turn it off and see oh, hey, there's a shrine over there, or, oh, hey, is that a village, or, oh, that rock formation looks really cool. And then, you know, you head over there, and then on the way you might be like, oh, there's another rock formation, or, oh, hey, there's a shrine right in the middle on my way to this cool rock formation, or, oh, there's a village that I never saw before. So it's not so much the game popping up and telling you, hey, you can do things X, Y, and Z. You're more like, oh, wow, look at all the cool possibilities for me. And I feel like that that more exploratory d- discovery, I should say, that's what I like more than just being handed a, a long list of side quests that pop up as I'm walking around. I don't want to be told what I can do. I want to be able to see what I can do at just for myself right off the bat as I'm going down and exploring these places. I want to walk down an alley and I want to see, like, oh, that dude's getting beat up. Huh, I'm going to take him, take care of him, or, like, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I haven't played Cyberpunk or that sort of thing uh, enough to say for sure. But a lot of the sort of Ubisoft-style games don't always do that. And it's one of the things I really like about Breath of the Wild and what I feel sets it apart in terms of how it handles its, not not just its open world, but but specifically its, you know, like I said, side quests, if you can even call them that. It's optional. 
It's optional. Optional content. content. I definitely, I'm definitely thinking about Horizon Zero Dawn, where you get a tower and then all of a sudden you get the map and it's just like thing, 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 and it's just like all these little icons everywhere. It's like, what does this even mean? There's definitely like when you have so many options, there's the danger of choice fatigue. Yeah. And the only thing I would say to that is that I don't feel like we're moving away from that necessarily in terms of where open world games are going. I feel like, I feel, I agree. I like how Breath of the Wild did it. I don't think that we're going to get that as much because I think when it comes, the, the, the reason we have these open world games so strongly, I feel like, is because how clear it is to show how much content is in your video game all at once. Yeah. And to do what you were describing, you have to sort of hide the content. You can't show, right? If people are going to discover it, you can't tell them about it. Yeah. If you don't tell them about it, then you can't plaster the map on the screen and say, look at all this stuff you can do. Because that's the sort of idea, right? The idea is that you have this big map and you can do all of this stuff in any order that you want. Now, depending on the game, what what stuff matters, what order you do it in versus what stuff you could just do whenever and it doesn't really matter might not be very clear. But the reason, I, I think part of it is that people will see a linear game and you don't necessarily know how much you're getting just sort of looking at it. Obviously, you can go on review sites and they'll say this is how many hours this is and this is how many hours this is. But by sort of presenting it to you all at once, you sort of make it feel really big while also obfuscating any sort of real sense of this is how much content is left in the game when you're just starting out. Yeah. Does that make any – did I make any sort of sense just now? No, that makes sense. Now? Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. like – and that's why I think that we're not going to see more movement to Breath of the Wild except for maybe – smaller groups that are just interested in copying breath of the wild which we have seen to be fair mm-hmm. um it has taken a it is i think it is interesting I, I don't remember who said this but i saw a take on like people wanted to copy breath of the wild immediately but breath of the wild is such a specific package that you have to do all of this stuff you can't like yeah it's difficult to it's hard to copy. Uh, it's hard to replicate. Well, it's hard to copy, and it's hard to copy in a cheap way, cutting corners without removing what, without removing the fact that you're copying it, right? Yeah. Right. So I yeah. think there have been people trying to do that. Um, Genshin Impact, I think, is like the big. That was one what I was gonna say. That, oh, I've um, heard, I've heard phenomenal things about. I have too. Actually, I have heard both phenomenal and like terrible i think it sort of depends on what you want out of the game um if you like cool character designs and you you project onto characters and project pair i don't want to say parasocial but like if you're the kind of person who really likes seeing characters and like doing fan art or even just looking at fan art of characters and sort of thinking of characters in a greater sense than just what role they play in a video game, I think you'll really like Genshin Impact. That's how Cam's gotten me interested in it at all. There's so much fan art of those characters. Good grief. If that is not your jam, I don't think the base gameplay really carries it 
I think it is really about how appealing the characters are to you, is my understanding. I have not played it because it is also, we could go into a whole other thing about this, but like a mixture of the gotcha format um, with the, with the like open world Breath of the Wild type stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I, and maybe with the popularity of that, we'll start seeing some other exploration into, I don't know, I don't know if how it handles the sort of things that we've been talking about that we like about Breath of the Wild because I haven't played it. But I, I still think that we're going to see, like, games that really focus on showing you all of the stuff you can do. So it feels like there is a lot of stuff to do right when you start the video game as opposed to the sort of slower discovery, even if it's the same amount of content or even if it's less. Like, I feel like compared to a lot of open world games, there is technically less to do in Breath of the Wild. But I also kind of like that it is sort of honed down to the good stuff. But I also play a lot of video games. And for, like, the other thing about open worlds is that they appeal to a demographic, too, of people who really just want, like, one or two video games a year. And just want to kind of play that indefinitely until they get tired of it more than until they finish it. And so having more stuff to do is appealing to them. And I don't want to say that they are incorrect for doing that because video games can be expensive, especially when you can't justify it to yourself by doing a podcast about it and then saying, well, it's kind of like my job, Poppy, my, my jobby to play video games. So I'm not wasting time and money by buying all these video games. I, I wouldn't <laughs> consider, I wouldn't consider wasting time and money anyway, but like the different mentalities of it, I think, I think that's another reason we're seeing it. I don't really know where we're going next, though. Well, sort of going off what James said, and then also going to another Blue Rider point, um, like, maybe open world or maybe just games in general, is there somewhere that you would like to see the games go? Like, where is the, in it, like, the basically what Blue Rider asked was, like, is there a mechanic that you'd really like to see in games that you haven't seen yet? Or just where you like would games to, to games go in the future? Where you would like games to go in the future. That's a correct <laughs> sentence. There you go. There I gift that to you. A correct <laughs> sentence to play I, off as of. someone who has a lot of decision uh, anxiety, like even in a linear story, feel like stuff like the towers in Breath of the Wild and like things that are basically markers for certain things helps me out. I'm pretty good with where they're at. If I get more, I will just stare into the void and just cry because I don't know what to do. Just because, like, like uh, just echoing that, like, there's a certain point where you're given no direction so you don't know what to do. There's another side of that where you're given so much that you don't know what is the thing you should do. And it's basically like you're not given any direction at all because you've been given a hundred directions. Right. And you haven't necessarily been clearly briefed on which of those directions might be the more important ones. Is, is that sort of the vibe? Yes. Cool, 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 cool. James, what were you saying? Uh, well, I was going to say sor something sort of similar to that is just that uh, we, we were talking about how, like, a lot of these games, they do the whole tell, don't show uh, sort of mentality, where, you know, to kind of show off, look at all this content we have. And I mean, in, in fairness, a lot of time and effort is probably put into a lot of that. But I have seen plenty of, of open world games where there's like 75 different 
types of mini game that you can play at 20 different points on the map each. And while I get that all of the content might be enjoyable, I I don't know. I don't want to say I, I hope that open world games get smaller, but I feel like we're reaching a point where the scope of these games is getting a little bit too big for what we can come up with, almost. The term that I think of is diminishing returns. Yeah, that's... That's that's close to what I'm thinking of. I, I I hope that we continue to focus on quality over quantity rather than just saying, look how big this world is. I want to say, look how much fun you'll have playing around it. And, and again, I keep going back to Breath of the Wild here just because, I don't know, I think Breath of the Wild might be my favorite open world game just full stop because it may not have not all of its content might be the most enjoyable. Like, you know, going for all 900 whatever Korok seeds is probably a pretty inane <laughs> task. X, X with my arms. You can't see it, but I'm making it yeah. at my microphone. Do you feel it? Do you feel the big X? Yeah, I don't, I, I personally don't feel driven enough to actually go and do all that, but just exploring the world is so cool and so interesting and you can always find something new to be like oh hey i didn't know you could do that and i don't know i i've never felt as driven you know a, a watchdogs actually did a decent job to making me try and explore a little bit and check out some different things but but even then breath of the wild is just on another level of encouraging and inspiring creativity in where you go you know how much you explore all the stuff that you you try out making you try new things and again i would love to see more more of that more stuff that just makes me want to go oh man let's go down all these different side streets let's go down and look at all this different stuff not just to see, ooh, I'll look at these pretty graphics, but oh, hey, I can do this goofy little thing here, or oh, hey, I can, you know, there, there's some interesting content, or oh, look at this uh, neat, neat stuff over here. Look at this neat stuff. Yeah, look mm -hmm. at this neat stuff, rather than just, here's a bunch of neat stuff, go here. Uh, Diana, what do you, you want to see from video games, open world or otherwise? I personally really enjoy like i don't disagree with you on not liking you know you get to a tower and then they give you like a checklist of stuff to do but at the same time i like that is kind of annoying but i also will disagree with you in that i really enjoy checking things off of a checklist because for me that is super cathartic which i will get into when we talk about what games we've been playing lately um oh, fair enough fair enough oh trust me it's been good um <laughs> so for me as much as i love the i guess exploring aspect of games and i would never ask that to go away because i do love it so much i wouldn't mind having a list that says hey here's like a hunting log go kill five of this monster i'm not gonna tell you where it is i'm just gonna tell you that you should do that like type thing so then i have to explore to go find them but which makes me want to explore more so that i can check something off a list 
And I guess maybe um I was maybe remiss in saying Spider Man was the last one. Well, we've been we were playing at the same time. I would also argue that uh Baldur's Gate is also slightly open world as well. And the other thing I want that Baldur's Gate gives me is the ability to handle situations in different ways depending on, you know, your next playthrough. Um because we've we've been playing through it again and now knowing what happens uh we're like what if we decided not to fight and you know talked it out instead so like you know when we get to a super critical point of the story that we were both thinking of we're like what if we don't just immediately murder them because we were told to do so and instead talk it out and see what happens that could lead to something completely different happening and i think that's also something that i enjoy in games because I like being able to play my favorite games again and having the knowledge that something different could happen if I managed to succeed in whatever I wanted to do would be cool to see more games implement, which I think they could do in an open world setting because depending on the setting that you're in, you would just run into people or other like parties traveling, I guess, and have to interact with them. I feel like the two sort of takes there aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. No, they're not. Though, especially with a checklist because yeah. it's like, the the issue I think is how the checklist is introduced to you, right? I think it is good, especially with open world games like you said, Diana, that there is at least the option if it's not just sort of built in at the base to have the game keep track of things that you have discovered and you still need to do. And maybe even like, you know, I would say that like if there was a time that you just want to say, hey, here's everything else that's in the game after you beat it. And it's like, okay, yeah, here's just, here's, okay, here's all the other stuff that's in the game. If you want, if your next goal is to do all of the things, here's all the stuff you haven't done yet. Like, I think there might be a place for that, too. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm thinking of. But I also, I understand where you're coming from, is what I was trying to get across there. Okay. <laughs> um, the thing that I hate is just when it's like, you're in the middle of a game and you, you do one thing and suddenly it's like, here's a hundred new things you didn't even know about. Good luck picking which one of these to do next. <laughs> um, that's that's the thing that I don't like. Um, but it's my turn to talk about um, open yes. world things that I would like. And I'm going to talk about my favorite open world game series, of course, Mega Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. This is, I'm, it's not really open world, but it's more in the original spirit of Blue Rider's question, which is just a mechanic. I want to go back. I want to go back and see what we can do with the live system. I agree. The live system as it was originally implemented does not serve the purpose that it was originally implemented for, which was to make you put more quarters into the big arcade machine. Hey, I wrote an article about that. But I think that just completely abandoning it, I think for a lot of games, completely abandoning it is a good idea. I think Mario Odyssey works very well without a live system. And Mario is sort of one of the games that struggled with it, right? Like, there was a period of time where Mario games just gave you so many lives that you didn't worry about a live system. And you essentially had infinite lives. But, like, playing through, and I'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to games we've been playing, but I've been playing a lot of the Mega Man X games since buying the Legacy Collection. And I find that the function of lives in there, especially when you've got the eight different stages that you can go to, really serves as a as a way to avoid sunk cost fallacy in those games because like the way to have the most fun with those games at least from someone like starting them new to me it feels like 
you start playing a level and then you don't necessarily want to just bang your head against the level until you beat it. And the live system for me gives me a great way to say, this is my opportunity to try a different level instead. This is my opportunity to try a different thing instead. The problem with games, how games used to use it, is that they're not using lives in that way. They're just using them as punishment for the most part. And so I feel like there's different ways to combine it. Like, why don't you just... Something you should always happen is you should get all of your lives left after you beat a level. You should go back to your base starting lives if you have if you're below that, right? Mm -hmm. There's no reason that you have to start the next level with zero lives. That's dumb, right? Because all you're gonna do is you're gonna throw yourself into a pit so you can start with the max lives. Although, again. actually, that does give me an interesting idea. What if you designed a game around the concept of limited lives? You can only uh, okay, I guess you could say that it's more like, you know, like a, um, you could say that a health bar would function in the same way, but perhaps, uh, like, I don't want to say a survival aspect, but more like, you can only screw up so many times, so it's not just, uh, you know, how much health you can lose, how many enemies you can get hit by, but, you know, how many pits you can fall down, or potentially even, uh, having a drastic change occur, uh, for instance... This is a little bit uh, this is a little bit tangential here, but there is a mod pack for Minecraft called RL Craft, and one of the big gimmicks in it is that until you can set your spawn point by sleeping in a bed, which is surprisingly difficult to do, every time you die, you respawn in a totally new location, a totally random place oh, that you've wow. never been before. I hate that. And that while it's mainly meant as uh, kind of a punishment in that case, I wonder if you might be able to design a game around that, un you know, under the, you know, either as a way of changing things up, saying, you know, oh, hey, you don't like where you spawned, you can give up one of your lives instead of battling through these enemies to instead spawn in a, in a different place or in a different stage. Kind of like, you know, like for Mega Man, for instance, maybe you're... You start out in a random stage, and if you don't like it, you can either you can either say I'm gonna try and brave through it and keep all of my lives and try and use all of them to beat this stage, or I'm gonna sacrifice one of them to spawn in a different stage and maybe try working my way through that stage. Maybe it's a little easier, but I'll have fewer lives, if that makes sense. Anyway. Yeah, no, I definitely think, you, and like that's, we don't need to necessarily, because we're getting closer to the end of the podcast, <laughs> but like, I, I I just, I feel like there was a moment where people in gaming talking about game design said, cool, we're done with lives, we don't need them anymore, we've got all of these great retro-inspired video games that don't use lives, like Shovel Knight, and stuff like, and even the big names that used to use all the lives, like, you know, Mario games don't anymore. We're done with lives. And I just, I think that there's more to chew on there. Just sort of understanding how to use them in a way that makes sense. Instead of just because that's what we always did, which is why they were there in the first place. Yeah. Because I feel like Mega Man sort of like said, okay, here is what the live system is. How can we sort of think about that with our game design? Instead of, here is a game designed to use a live system. I feel okay. like we haven't really hit on that as much. And like you said, like I think your sort of take on like lives, because the big thing is that like 
when you lose a life, you lose some sort of progress. And the the thing that needs to be the case in any sort of implementation of lives is that the when you get back to that point, something needs to be different. Or at least there needs to be the strong potential for there something to be different beyond just your skill in the game or having more or less lives. And the more drastic that potential difference is, I feel like the better the live system will work. Because like Mario, like it's like, okay, if you get a game... If you lose a life, you might be able to get back to this position, or a game over. You might be able to get back to this position with a fireball power-up. And, like, that is, like, a soft version of that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, now I can, if I played the first part of the game better, I can be better equipped to do this harder part of the game. I feel like there's a lot more that you can do that. And, like, with Mega Man, it's like, well, maybe this is hard now, but if I get these weapons and these upgrades, it'll this section will be easier, so let me find the part that's easiest for me. I just think that there's a lot more to explore there. And I'm hoping that we're not just done with that now. I understand if people really don't like lives, they don't have to engage with lives if they don't want to. Um, but I think that there's still some meat on that bone is the the thesis in the, con- the conclusion, the thesis repeated in the conclusion to denote that the paper has ended. <laughs> and it is now time for us to talk about games we've been playing in recent times. Anna Brunarski, tell us about The Sims. Hi, okay. Um, so The Sims had a huge update uh, at the beginning of December where it changed a lot of the skin color and makeup coloring. There are now different shades of skin color to choose from and you can also adjust it. Like, there, they have some sliders which they had more of in sims 3 sims 4 just kind of got around to it after people were complaining about skin color they were like oh oh no it's not like this game hasn't been out for six years now uh that's like the story of sims 4 though isn't it slowly adding back in things that were in sims 3 exactly um sims 3 is just (laughs) a superior game it is (laughs) i it is i agree um But I've I've I finally gotten to the point where I'm so used to Sims 4 that when I play Sims 3, I'm like, oh god, what am I doing now? That's fair. But as I'm playing right now, uh, there are some new hairstyles, new skin tones, same thing with makeup, new makeup sliders. Uh, something interesting that just happened is my Sims did the kiss on the cheeks as a way of saying hello, and I didn't know that was a thing until it just happened in front of me. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, otherwise that's all my news on it. It's fine. I think it's I think it's great. Um should have been one of those things that definitely should have been done earlier and there's no denying that cuz again, 6 years, especially since this is the only thing from EA that I like. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> ugh, great. That's all my news on it. Uh my next big thing about The Sims 4 is that I just bought the spa pack. Uh, several years ago, I did work in a spa, and I mostly bought it because I was like, I wonder how this compares um, to my actual experience working there. Uh, it's very different because, you know, nothing's the same, and our spa was actually pretty not great because the owners didn't give enough attention. Uh, but there's like a yoga instructor there, and there's a bunch of yoga going on. And it reminded me of the one time that uh, my coworkers did yoga before the spa opened 
just as a thing to do. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Otherwise, it's pretty much just like a spa experience where you just go in, you go into a room full of people where you steam, which I don't think that would be very fun, especially right now during COVID times. Then you can get a massage. Do you think... Mm -hmm. Do you think that your that that coworker started doing yoga at the spa in the morning so that it would be more like The Sims? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. No, she's a yoga. She's like she and her fiance are yoga instructors. So she was like, "Hey, do you guys want to do yoga?" And like three people were like, "Sure." And it only happened once. Well, how do you know that she did become a yoga instructor so that she could live out her this dreams of being like the, the video game The out. Sims? Yeah, yeah, because they would have to be time travelers. I was going to say, so she's also a time traveler. <laughs> Whoa. Is there a Whoa. time travel pack in was The Sims? Was it really more Maybe than six years ago? No, but like I, this, this pack came out uh, after I met this person that's fair i did forget about that thing that you had just said not but like two minutes ago on the podcast <laughs> that makes sense yeah um i'm trying to think of other things to say uh still going strong on playing sims though it's fine it's fine sims 4 isn't terrible sims 3 is definitely superior in my opinion a much better game and sims 4 felt a lot like a cash grab at the beginning and even now still kind of feels like a cash grab at times with some of the stuff that comes out uh like the star wars uh pack that came out a while ago and everyone was upset about it because no one actually wanted it but they were like well we own the star wars games i guess we're gonna just uh throw that on in there but um yeah, uh, the knitting pack. I don't think I've talked enough about that yet uh, since it came out. Uh, perfect. Amazing. Love it. Uh, give me more crafting. <laughs> I need it. But yeah, otherwise it's fine. Sims 4 is fine and I do like it. It's just there are some things that still make me upset about it. Uh, otherwise, I've been playing a lot of Minecraft and Crypt of the Necrodancer. And I've also been playing uh, the Red Strings Club again, which I haven't played since last year. And it's so reminiscent of Valhalla in like one certain way and it has to do with bartending and that's it uh yeah but yeah um is it it's another like visual novelish yes. bartending yeah. kind of game yes. uh there's a lot more there's also to it, coffee though. talk that was another game oh, that I was like that, that yeah good james we should, should talk about coffee james talk, we should but... do coffee talk as a playthrough <laughs> Ooh, well, I've already played it, but like, it was pretty good, finished, so I sure. <laughs> I haven't um, played it again since I played it the first time. Yeah. But and you I know did... we definitely have to do uh we definitely have to do Nirvana when it comes out. Yeah. Hundred percent. So now James and I have like a two game list of things that we should play for the YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've. So we gotta finish Danganronpa. Yes, you guys do have to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's been so many months. I'm sorry, guys. Been, <laughs> recording's just been so tough. I'm sorry. That's okay. I needed time to catch up on it now that I can finally watch it. Yeah, well, now you've surpassed us in Danganronpa, I have surpassed Diana. you. Oh, wow. I'm I'm proud of myself for that one. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, you you played on the Minecraft server, right? That's where you built your... Is that where you built your castle? No, I did not build my castle. So I've been playing on my boyfriend's server as well as the Gamecola server. Um, I tend to be more active on Cam's server because he's usually there. And when I go to the Gamecola one, I'm usually alone. So I'm just like, I guess I'm just going to run around for a little bit. And uh, I made a 
I made a witch hut, like this cute little witch hut in the woods. And then I left for two seconds. I come back and a creeper has somehow gotten into my house. And the door was closed, so I don't know. I don't know how that happened. But yeah, I opened the door, saw it, left, like closed the door and left. And then it exploded. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Why did you close the door? I don't know. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I panicked. <laughs> Just imagining, like, uh, visually, like, your character going, opening the door, seeing the creeper, close it with, like, your hands pressed up against, your back pressed up against the door, and then an explosion just propels you and the door forward. (laughs) It didn't explode the front at all. It it was all in the back. And, like, I backed away. This is why I turn off mob griefing whenever I play. It's, uh, but, um, one of the nice things is that Cam has made it so that creepers don't explode. Otherwise, we'd all be in a lot of trouble because we worked very hard on some of the things we've built. (laughs) So they don't explode and destroy everything. It's very nice. Um, But I did make a very big castle with a lot of help from Cam. And then I I made it in a mountain, so it had to be, like, dug out. And then I also made a treehouse, as well as uh, my first little home being a little witch hut as well. So, yeah. Also, Animal Crossing. I played on Toy Day. It was fine. That's it. It was fine. I feel like the holidays are a lot less... There's a lot less going on than in New Leaf, is what I'm getting from everyone. Uh, Also, the snow boys. Uh, No one can make a perfect snow boy, and everyone is very angry about it. And I made a perfect one on my (laughs) first try, so... I did, too. Hell yeah. A a snow boy is a snow is what would generally be understood to be considered a snowman. No, they're called snowboys now. Snowboy. I know they're called no. snowboys in the video game no. Animal Crossing. In real life, we are now calling them no, snowboys, we... Joseph. We've just changed them. Just in case people out there in the webosphere haven't caught up on the new slang <laughs> for the two balls of snow that look kind of like a person. <laughs> I just wanted to inform them about it. Snow boys. Anyway, but yeah, that's pretty Snow much been boys. my uh, month of video games. Diana, how has your month of video games been? Oh boy. You already foreshadowed it. Let me tell you. I think you. most of us <laughs> foreshadowed our games we've been playing in recent times, honestly, well, this time. besides my foreshadowing, we've been working through, like, a backlog of games that I have just, like, owned forever and we haven't played. Uh, so we just finished Spider-Man, uh, including the DLC, and now we have just started the Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is great so far. Having a lot of fun with that. Have checked in on Animal Crossing occasionally, but most of my time, uh, too much of my time, some might say, has been taken up by uh, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, the online <laughs> MMO. Oh. It is so addictive it's not even funny oh my gosh i may or may not be playing right now (laughs) oh no we've lost diana oh no well i mean i can see it on the discord well yeah you all could but i wasn't i wasn't gonna out myself necessarily for everyone listening to this but yes okay everyone listening to this (laughs) no um they know (laughs) they know (laughs) um i finally caved like a few months ago because uh, I think they call that spelunking. Uh, okay. Hey. So, um, my best friend, Noel, who has been on the podcast before, uh, started playing it. 
And I'd seen a lot of, like, the content creators that I follow and some of my other friends had been playing it forever and their screenshots were always so beautiful and it looked so fun. And so eventually I was, I asked Noelle, I was like, do you like it? And she's like, I love it. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I am now obsessed. It is a problem. Uh, I acknowledge that I have a problem, but will do nothing about it. I spent way too much time playing it. And I also can't make any decisions ever, so I am literally doing every single class. The end. Oh. <laughs> at the same time? Yes, absolutely, at the same time. Oh my um, gosh. Can you do that? Yes. <laughs> Is it smart? Pfft, no. <laughs> can you do it? Yeah. They let you. I am proof of wow. that. <laughs> they let you. Is it like... Wow. Okay. They, they allowed this to happen. Explain to me what that, like, means. Okay. So... Let's let's do a little tiny bit of background. When I play Pokemon, uh, my boyfriend mm-hmm. hates this. I like to let everyone have a turn so that everyone, you know, feels included. And so everyone's, except for my starter, um, is around the same <laughs> level. My starter gets to stay in the party the whole time because it's my starter. Yeah. Um, so we were Wait. we were doing a randomizer like Nuzlocke together, and he eventually just stopped playing with me because I would take so much time grinding up all of my Pokemon. That I Wait, when you say all of your Pokemon, this is another side tangent. When you say all of your Pokemon, do you mean like every single one no. that you like have or just the ones in your party? Oh, well, I don't necessarily catch like a ton of Pokemon during my main playthrough. Um, but it's more than six that you're doing this with. Correct. Um, okay, oh, yes, your dear. boyfriend is correct. Oh, oh, I'm aware that he's correct. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, listen, ooh. I acknowledge my own failings. Um, but anyways, I, I just have problems when things are not the same level. I don't know what it is, but it's always been a part of my gaming experience. And so when I started playing this game... Uh, I picked Archer because I may or may not have named my character in Final Fantasy after uh, my D&D character, and since Rogue is not an option to start out with, which is rude, That's incredibly um, I picked rude. Archer because- I personally feel attacked. I know, you. I know, so did I. Um, so I started as I an Archer. I feel attacked for Anna. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I just kind of started picking up every- other class and then i was like wait they aren't the same level and then i (laughs) i started making them all the same level and now i haven't stopped um how many different classes are there okay hold on let me count oh no Uh, Two, three, four. Is it more than 10? 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. But one of them is technically the same experience bar, so I'll count that one together. Um, So 19 currently. Ah! Oh. (laughs) So what do you have to do, like, logistically to make this happen? What do you mean by logistically? Like, do you have to, like, change your clothes and fight as a certain class to make that one go up? Yes. But it's, like, all I have to do is change the weapon that I'm holding, and it changes my class. Wow. Um, so that's, that's not- Okay, well, that's convenient. Okay, and it's important to note that some of them are crafting classes, which does not, you know, take as much, because crafting gives you so much more experience than, than fighting. (laughs) So Guild Wars was that way. 
the crafting classes are much easier to level up. But yes, so I have spent a majority of not only this month, but the last few months, yeah, doing this. I am now level 45-ish in everything that I have so far. But there are more classes that I do not yet have. Some of the fighter classes I don't have yet. I'm missing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm missing eight classes. I'm going to get them. Oh, boy. You know, I have been a proponent uh-huh. of the idea that there is no wrong way to play a video game. <laughs> uh-huh. And that all play styles are valid. However. But I think this one broke me. Yeah. Hey! Well. I am doing I've just decided, fine. Diana, you have found the one <laughs> way so to happy. play video games incorrectly. If Diana you did is it. happy, I'm honestly proud. No, if she's happy, that's great, alright? <laughs> I'm kidding. I am Mostly. kidding. That would, I would hate to play a video game the way you're playing, but I've returned to my original opinion. I had a moment of weakness. Every video game playing style is valid, unless it is beating someone up with an NES cartridge. <laughs> and, like, the other thing about what? it is... What? Whoa, that's oddly That's a bad specific. way to play a video game. Like, each combat class and crafting class, actually, each class has its own, like, quest lines. So, like, you get a quest, like, a class quest every five levels, and they're all different. But I feel like, aren't they, uh, the way you're supposed to experience that is you group up with someone of that class and do it with them? Not necessarily. I don't, well, I don't know. I really honestly, I know that this, I'm supposed to play this game with other people and, like, be friends, but honestly, I don't. massively multiplayer online role-playing game, Diana. Yeah, Yeah, no, I really kind of play with anyone? Well, uh, sometimes I do. If, like, my friends are online, I will sometimes hang out with Noelle, and I've gotten my boyfriend and his friends into it, so I play with them sometimes, but most of the time I'm just chilling out by myself and I'm happy. Like, it's something, especially because I've been handing the ps4 controller to my boyfriend playing games like spider-man and now the other final fantasy game because doing the like optimizing he lives for optimizing stuff and so final fantasy 7 remake is kind of his thing um so i'm like i'm just gonna give this to you and watch you play and also be just like grinding on some enemies and i'm very happy also and you didn't hear this from me it's very uh fun to do while you're supposed to be in class on zoom what diana (laughs) diana how How could could you you? it's called multitasking (laughs) it it is it is called playing video games on the podcast is one thing but i didn't realize if i had known it would be a gateway drug i would have nipped this in the (laughs) butt long ago um Wait, okay, one more story and then I will stop hogging all the attention. Um, <laughs> one of my professors this semester, both me and my boyfriend are in this class and he knows that we are into video games and stuff like that. And so one day we came like we came into the Zoom classroom early and he was like, I need to ask you guys a question. And we were like, what? And he was like, have you ever played video games during my class? And we were both like, uh... And he was like, you know... Games that don't require intense focus, maybe. And I just stayed silent. 
Diana, you're a lawyer. You should know that you can plead the fifth. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> exactly. Don't you have to plead before you cannot say I anything? I wasn't on the stand. It wasn't a formal trial. I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I, I love that professor. He made us do a, uh, one of uh, the cases Nintendo was involved in way back in the Ooh. day. Oh. So if anyone wants to know about the Game Genie case, hit me oh. up. Oh, I think I heard about that one. That sounds like an interesting story for, for another next podcast. podcast. And I only know about it <laughs> um, from like a remedy standpoint. So like, don't actually ask mm. me about any of the other stuff because I don't know it. <laughs> That's going to be difficult because I don't know what a remedy standpoint is. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> James, what video games have you been playing in recent times? Oh, gosh. Well, a little bit of cyberpunk, but uh, I, I have to admit, uh. I've been playing a lot of Minecraft, mainly modded uh, Minecraft. I've been playing a lot of Sevtech Ages, which is a pack that came out around a year ago. So it's 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 time has passed a little bit, but me and a friend of mine have been playing that a whole bunch. Uh, I also just got Animal Crossing New Horizons on <gasps> Christmas Merry this year. Christmas. Ooh, Merry so, Christmas! Thank you. Yeah, Merry Christmas, every late yeah. late Christmas, everybody. Late Christmas, everyone. Uh, we're we're even recording this after Christmas, so obviously. But <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so I got it uh, mainly because my sisters have been playing the game since their birthday, uh, back in the middle of summer. So I I'm not normally one to play those kinds of games because I typically am the kind of guy that sits down for like seven hours and just plays a bunch of video games. And then, you know, doesn't play it again for another couple days. Whereas Animal Crossing is very much not a game that you can do that in. Because, one, it there's only so much you can do every day. Unless you want to just go talking to your villagers 2,500 times until they get annoyed with you. Um, but Animal Crossing is, is very much a game where there's about an hour to two hours of stuff you can do at most every day. But you're expected to come back very frequently like once a day yeah. to progress things and and you often have to actually wait for the next in-game day for things to move on and progress and and advance so it's been very interesting cuz i did play a decent bit of new leaf back a couple of years ago but even then i and then before that i i played wild world a whole mm. ton but it's just yeah. I've really fallen out of that sort of style of gameplay loop, so it's been a real heck of a time trying to get back into that kind of daily regimen of doing all this routine stuff uh, for for Animal Crossing. So, but it's so. It's what are neat. you visiting my island, James? Yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even visited Diana's. Uh... <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I, I know. Think I, I think I have Anna as a friend. I don't think I have Diana as a friend. I thought we were friends. Switch. Maybe we're not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm let wrong. me let me pull up my Switch. Uh, have you been playing any other games, James? Um, any James games. James games. James. Uh, hello and welcome to the James Cola podcast. <laughs> um, I'm surprised it's taken that yeah, long. Yeah, honestly, to make <laughs> I'm. It is not. It's. We I've definitely pro- made that I've definitely joke made that Absolutely, one hundred percent. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, All right. 
Uh, I have actually ordered uh, a Super Nintendo off of eBay. Ooh, nice. Uh, oh. And I'm going to be playing a whole bunch of Super Metroid. Nice. Uh, oh, just fun. because I, I absolutely love that game to bits. And, uh, oh, oh, I've been playing a little bit of Link it, to the Past as well. It's a old video game, so you love its bits, because that's why you love it to hey, bits. Hey, I love it to 16 bits. Uh, but I've also, uh, I've been wanting to play some, uh, Zelda Link to the Past, because hey, I actually, I just got that. I've never played that game. Really? I've never played it before. It's Ever. Nope. It's a good one. So, yep, so, so I've heard. But yeah, I, I'm... I, I'm I'm very excited. So, but aside from that, not really much more. Do you like any of my very very much not well known games that I bought freshman year because I was very excited to get my my own SNES. Oh sure. What what uh, what kind of games? I do you have, have Page Master. Oh. I have Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> the only game that is like one that anyone would really know is Mega Man X, and I'm so bad at it. Oh, that's all right. I'm terrible at Mega Man games too. Hey, Segway! Hey, guess what wow. I've been playing in Let's recent times? Nice. Attorney. Almost like it was planned. I recently bought the Mega Man X Legacy Collection along with the Mega Man Zero Legacy Collection, which I have just not gotten to yet. But uh, I've been playing through those games uh, recently. I'm near the end of X3 right now. The first uh, Legacy Collection for Mega Man X has X1 through 4. It is interesting how it... They keep getting worse. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what I've heard about the X series, is the X1, X2, and X3 are, yeah, they're pretty good, and then just... uh, It turns into a landslide. I have heard... I think X4 is actually supposed to be good again. Oh, okay. um, And then it's like X5, X6, and X7 that are just kind of all messes yeah, in garbage. their own way. Or at least of all... I mean, it kind of makes... If you look at the timeline, it is Mega Man 6 and Mega Man X. Then I believe you get Mega Man 7, then X2 and X3. And then Mega Man 8. So I think it makes sense... That Mega Man X3 is one of my least favorite Mega Man X games, which was made just before Mega Man 8, one of my least favorite Mega Man classic games. (laughs) I should have predicted this. Um, I mean, they're all good, and I think especially X2 and X... Well, first of all, I, I really like Mega Man X, the first one. Like, it is up there with my favorite Mega Man classic games. It's probably, like, three like the rank three out of all Mega Man games that I've played. Um, X2 and X3, I feel like, will be more fun on subsequent playthroughs once I know everything about the games. But there's just a lot of design choices that I found frustrating for the first playthrough. Namely, Mega Man X, the dash is an non-optional power-up, but you can get through a lot of the game without having the dash. Um, You go through Chill Penguin stage, you have to get the dash, so you have to have it for the final stages, but the early stages are designed around the idea that you might not have the dash, which is, you know, a way to go really fast forward and keep you can keep your momentum, unlike in classic Mega Man games where you slide to go a little bit faster, but you don't keep your momentum, and you can't do anything else while you're sliding. And when you're dashing in Mega Man X, you can jump and maintain your momentum, you can shoot at the same time. Um, and you also got the wall jumping in Mega Man X. 
with Mega Man X2 and X3, the dash becomes a default ability, and then later you unlock air dashes. But because of that, the game world has to expand even larger, and the issue is that they do a less good job than Mega Man X of making all the information clearly available to you, even in situations where the, I don't even really think the dash affects things. Like, there's just a lot of times where I feel like I'm dropping down, like, I have to kind of, like, almost fall down the pit before the screen will start scrolling down, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I have to kind of like jump into a pit basically to see if it's the way I'm supposed to go or if it is a secret way. Like, is this death? Yup, it's death. And it's just there's a lot of stuff where it's it feels like the direction is not clear. And then also some of the ways that the secrets are sort of set up. Like there's all the different power ups that you can get from game to game, and they keep increasing the number of like bonuses that you can get. Uh, actually, Mega Man X may have had. Mega Man X2 may have had the same as Mega Man X, but the 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 thing that I didn't like about Mega Man X sort of was that there was a certain level of interdependency that made backtracking necessary. And it, but it's it's pretty short. There's not a whole lot of backtracking that you have to do. Um, there's just a little bit. Um, but it feels like in the other games, there's more interdependency, and the more interdependency the power ups have, the more constrained you feel like you have to play through the game, which defeats the whole purpose of being able to go to any level that you want. If each additional level has a, a time sink cost of, well, if I play this level first, I'm going to have to go back to it again and play it in the later slot of orders anyway. So Mega Man X, most of the interdependence was you had one thing, you needed to have one thing to get this other one thing. And in X2 and 3, it gets into a lot more you need to have two thing, two specific things before you can get this this thing. And with Mega Man X, a lot of the time, if there if there was two things that you needed, one of them was the dash, which you're gonna have. You can't miss it, and everyone goes to Chill Penguin first because you get the dash, and that just makes the game more fun game to play faster. So, and I, I I will be interested to see if I end up liking the games more on subsequent playthroughs. I feel like a lot of my issues that I had in these earlier playthroughs, I've actually beaten X2 before, uh, will be mitigated by being more familiar with them, but I, I, it's just an interesting experience. I'm ser- I'm curious to see how X4 will go, and I also want to report back on uh, the Zero series, because that's, that is an interesting, like, sort of chapter of Mega Man that I haven't even really touched on, beyond, like, reading some plot summaries of what happens in the extended Mega Man timeline. Um, but that's pretty much video game I've been playing. That's pretty much it. I, you know, aside from stuff that you've seen me on live stream and stuff. Um, I think that's the end of the podcast. Does it feel like that to you guys? Does this feel like the end of the Thanks, podcast? Yeah, I guess so. So, I guess that means that it's time for me to say the words. Thank you for listening to the Game Cola podcast. Yeah. Wow. Uh, if you. <laughs> Whoa. If you like what you heard, be sure to check us out on our actual internet website, GameCola.net. Um, you can also find us on our YouTube channel, GC.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net, where you can see us playing video games in videos or live streams. You can also listen to other episodes of the podcast on standard podcast players like Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And... 
Uh, if you have questions you'd like to submit to the podcast, you can have your opportunity to do that on the Game Cola Discord. Link is in, should be in the description of whatever you are listening to this to, or you can go to the website and find it. You can go to our Facebook and Twitter. The Twitter has it in the description. Our Facebook and Twitter are both Game Cola. And I think it's also, this would be a good place to put in a little announcement about a program that some of you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Is anyone here a fan of a little Game Cola podcast series called Hacks and or Slash? I don't know what Hacks and or Slash is. I've never heard of that. No idea. <laughs> hacks and Sounds Slash. Dumb. What yeah. about that oh, one? Oh, Hacks and Slash. Right. Why didn't okay, you just I say so? Jeez. <laughs> um, our uh, Game Cola podcast where we read fan fiction of questionable quality out loud for your listening pleasure. Season 3. We are planning to start that up uh, later this month in January. Uh, we'll keep you posted on the progress of that, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be getting back into it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. And it's it's about time, I say. I agree. So I think we'll, we have the scheduling all sorted out. So you should be getting that sometime mid-January. So look forward to that. Is there anything else anybody else wants to say about things? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Here's to hopefully a better year. Stay inside, wear a mask, be a good person. Mm-hmm. Amen. Do that. <laughs> In that Amen. order. In that in that order. In that in order. That Go inside, wear order. your mask, and be a good person. Yeah, wear your mask inside while being a good person. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Game Call Podcast. Have a wonderful year. Wow. Wherever it is, whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast. And we will see you next month. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Well, well, well. Look who decided to show up. All right, listen, I kind of <laughs> forgot that I was today. I had surgery yesterday. Y'all need to shut up. <laughs> yeah, um, excuse me. Tell me things now, please, because I am worried. Oh, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I'm glad to hear you're fine, but if you had surgery, you were also marked as free yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot that it was happening until, like, <laughs> Sunday, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Understandable. Well, I mean, technically, I was fine afterwards. Like, I didn't get knocked out. They just had to take, like, some skin off my face because of a oh. family history of skin cancer. Oh. Um. But I wasn't like under or anything, so yeah. Totally well, that's fine. good. Hope everything comes back good. Yeah, they've already got it all out. Everything's fine. I just oh, need okay. it to heal up wow, now. That's fast. My audacity that's... hates me. <laughs> <laughs>